Hi, you're listening to Hearth and Soul. I'm your host, Angela Torres Kakun. I'm the head chef and food manager at Spoken, a cafe in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. I'm also a professional singer and a core member and the director of operations for Forte Chicago, Chicago's only all-female opera improv and sketch comedy troupe. I'm a self-labeled foodie, a food nerd, and a history buff. I love nothing more than to nerd out about food. But enough about me. Hearth and Soul is a podcast that strives to explore nourishment, how we feed our bodies, our minds, and our souls. We cover a wide range of topics, including the everyday mundane and the celebratory. We believe that food is the one thing that connects us to each other, no matter what. So welcome to the table. Hello, welcome to episode five. I've got Maureen with me today. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, so one of my students uh, graciously gave me a cough. Oh, no. So I've been in bed all day. Oh, well, I mean, that's not a bad way to spend the day. No, I mean, Mondays are like, Mondays are one of my days off. My, my two days off are Sunday and Monday. Nice. Um, and Sundays, I usually, you know, Sundays are the day off that Daniel and I share. Gotcha. So we usually like hang out, but then Mondays are like, just my, you are my day. Nice. They're my day. So Excellent. it was, I feel a lot better. Oh, good. Yeah. I felt like I felt terrible last night. Mm. Um, And then I p- felt pretty bad this morning, but literally I just like stayed in bed and ate oatmeal and drank water. <laughs> and then no, first I, I kind of did my food in reverse today. So I, I woke up and then Daniel had a long day at work today, so I drove him to work. Uh-huh. And then I came back, and I immediately crawled back into bed. And then I I, I made soup. <laughs> hey, you know, a lot of cultures eat soup for breakfast. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Soup and is great. I did, um, with the soup, it was a carrot ginger curry soup. Ooh, yum. That was, like, cashew cream based. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Um, and I we had two tortillas left and some vegan cheese, so I... I um, made little like cheesy roll-ups and nice. I dipped it in the soup and then later I had um, peanut buttery brown sugary cinnamony oatmeal mm. it was very good I feel a lot oh and I watched a lot of um, call the midwife today <laughs> like a lot of it I mean sometimes you just need one of those days yeah I had one of those days uh, not this past week but the week before I woke up on Wednesday and like couldn't breathe oh like like it woke me out of a dead sleep at like 5 15 in the morning really it was it was obscene and i don't i think that it's an allergy related thing but the problem was is that i like so i have this inhaler lying around from when i had bronchitis a while back and so i used that and that helped a little bit and then i like took some advil because I suddenly had a fever as well. Like I had chills and a fever and I was like, Ugh. what the hell is going on? So I, you know, I called my boss and I was like, hey, because I have a fever, I legally can't come to work. And he's like, well, then you just stay home and do your thing and we'll see you tomorrow. And the next day I was fine. Isn't that the weirdest thing? It was so bizarre. But I basically like laid on my couch all day. I ate soup with like crap tons of garlic in it and you know i Ooh, i should have put more garlic i rubbed in. oregano oil all all over myself cuz apparently that's a thing that you can do <laughs> that you you like absorb it in the skin and that's like antibacterial whatever i you know took advil and mucinex and all the things <laughs> turns out like the following week on wednesday i woke up and the same thing happened 
And I was like, what are the two connecting factors? Well, the pollen is insanely high right now. Mm -hmm. And it was last Wednesday as well. And the mold count outside is incredibly high right now. And it was last Wednesday as well. And there's also construction happening directly outside of my apartment. So I have to wonder if, like, they're shaking things loose. Because they were, like, taking trees down and stuff. Oh, God. And that Would just, Would that be like, enough to give you a fever, though? I, well, you know, I, that's what I thought, too. I was like, allergies don't have fevers. But my sister was like, well, why do you think they called it hay fever? Oh. And she's like, your body is trying to fight something off that it doesn't quite know. It's an invasive. Your, your immune system's overreacting, which totally makes sense because as somebody with an autoimmune disease, my immune system's all jacked anyway. That's right. the whole point is that it overreacts to everything. Every year, my what started off as very, very mild allergy symptom, seasonal allergy symptoms like years ago, Every year they get a little bit worse and they increase. And every year I'm like, oh, my God, what is this crazy illness that I have? And my sister's like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> because she's had severe allergies her whole life. Wow. Like she like real, she's like allergic to nature. She's allergic to the world. So that sucks. She's actually on a course. There's a, a treatment now that they do at uh, the University of Michigan where over like they basically are injecting you with things to get your immune system to build up it's almost like vaccine like a vaccine it works kind of like that i think but you go every week and you get these injections and over time eventually you don't need them anymore huh um so she's been doing that but every time she gets one she has a giant welt on her arm when they did the skin prick test her like entire back was inflamed it's like one giant welt Oh, my God. She's just allergic to everything. So anytime I have an issue like that, I'm like, um, is this an allergy thing or am I sick? So I've been taking Zyrtec pretty regularly. And that clearly wasn't doing anything. So I was like, maybe I need to double up. Maybe I need a different medication. And she was like, what about Flonase? And I was like, well, I there's nothing in my sinuses. My sinuses are totally fine. Right. So I had some Benadryl. So the last probably week or so, every night before I go to bed, I take a Benadryl. I'm totally fine now. I'm not even taking the Zyrtec. Benadryl is like a wonder drug. Seriously. Well, what's so weird is that like the Zyrtec is meant to be like a 24 hour in your system. Yeah. And the Benadryl is like, it's more like fast acting limited time. Like a six to eight hour kind of thing. I take it before I go to bed, but I'm still fine. Like I haven't had, I really haven't, except for a little bit of a cough. Yeah. Which is actually okay with me because I'd rather be coughing stuff out of my system than feeling like an elephant is sitting on my chest, which is what was happening before. Ugh. It was like this this pressure that, yeah. Anyway, but I did have one of those days where I had to like lay on my couch yeah. and eat soup and just be like, I think I binge watched Star Trek because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I am a Trekkie. You gotta, you gotta own what you're into. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, no. So, After this, I'm gonna make something probably pasta with a, we. I have just like cloves and cloves of garlic right now. Mm, I'm probably just gonna like hit that pretty hard. Yes, do it, do it. I highly suggest that. Anytime I come down with anything, I make a pasta, and at the very end of the process is when I throw in the raw garlic so that it's barely cooked. Like I don't saute it first because the raw garlic has all that like antibacterial properties. That's what's happening later. Yeah. I mean, I also have a bunch of, um, you know what I'm going to do? I made a, I made a, uh, oh my God. (laughs) I didn't tell you this. 
I went and I went to Bien Sabe <gasps> and got arepas. Yeah. And I had the guasacaca sauce. Yep. And I went to a party this weekend where they asked me to make a dip. Uh-huh. And so I made guasacaca sauce, except that to make it a dip, I added cannellini beans. Okay. And it was very good. Nice. And as a result, I have leftover parsley. So I think I'm going to make um, yes. olio e olio. There you go. With all the garlic. All the garlic. That sounds beautiful. Because I got to get through that parsley. <laughs> There's a lot of it. <laughs> I do that at work. That's basically my job. Hmm. We have all these things. What am I going to make? <laughs> just make something up. Um, anywho, we digress. Um, so today um, is not so much about food. I was listening to another podcast called, it's called The Phoenix Helix. And it's by a woman who's actually pretty well known in the autoimmune world because she's written a bunch of books on the AIP diet, which is the autoimmune paleo diet. And it's a a way of eating that a lot of people are using to treat their autoimmune diseases because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like an elimination diet. It helps you find what your specific trigger foods are. And for people with really severe symptoms like, like rheumatoid arthritis which is super painful, you want to find out whatever your trigger foods are like super fast and just like never eat them again because you're in so much pain all the time. That's not quite what I have to deal with. But anyway, so she did this. um, She did this episode about the worst and best things that people have said to her about her autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And she had two guests on as well that, that talked about it. And they all had like slightly different autoimmune diseases and different journeys and that kind of thing. And I thought that's a really interesting idea because I feel like in this, in this time that we're in right now where people are not afraid to say, Hey, these words that you are using are hurtful and here's why, Mm -hmm. or these words that you are using are shaming people and that's not okay. Or these words are, you know, a detriment to or triggering or, you know, X amount of things. People are not afraid to say these things anymore. I think that's really important because if those of you out there who are listening have ever read The Four Agreements, some of you are probably like, oh my God, it's so cheesy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I loved that book. (laughs) We had to read it in grad school. Did did you have to read it in your class? No, I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to Roosevelt. Oh, that's right. No, I'm one of those, I'm one of those weirdos with just a bachelor's. I keep forgetting, though, because I've known you for so long. I keep forgetting that you weren't there. No, I just arrived. You just sort of showed up and yeah. everyone accepted you because you're awesome. Um, that's that's the gift I've been given. <laughs> so The Four Agreements by uh, Miguel Ruiz is, it's an awesome book. I highly recommend it. But one of the agreements is that you need to be impeccable with your word. And what that means, he sa- has this thing where he talks about words are magic. And he tells this, he talks about the four agreements and sort of like a, like an old, as if he's telling like an old fairy tale kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So the word wording that he uses sounds very magical, if you will. But the way he breaks it down is that you can, you can hurt someone with a word. You can tear someone down with a word. You can break someone with your words. So it's important that we all are very responsible with our words. So in that vein, I thought, well, maybe I'll do one of these episodes myself and we'll talk about the worst things that people have said 
and and some of the good things that people say mm-hmm. um, to those of us that have basically what I like to call invisible illness. Yeah. So there are unfortunately some autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses that are quite visible. Um, one of the ladies on this particular episode that I listened to on the Phoenix Helix had uh, what's called scleroderma, which oftentimes almost looks like you've had a stroke and like half of your body or your face or whatever is like, like the muscles don't work anymore. They're like not there. Oh, wow. So it's, it's visible, you know? Um, but for the majority of us, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear this, but there's a, there's a cat making some unwelcome, noises. unwelcome noises here. Pause. All right, we're back. Moody's been cloistered. (laughs) So uh, the majority of us um, in the autoimmune world and chronic illnesses in general, I want to say, because there are a lot of people who suffer with various um, disorders and diseases that are not autoimmune related, but they're what I what I like to call invisible illnesses. So you, you don't look at a person and know that they they have something or that they're on medication or that, you know, there's something in their life that they're struggling with. Sure. So I put a call out on the Book of Faces and <laughs> asked people to tell me their stories because I know quite a few people who have some kind of chronic illness, um, most of them autoimmune because it's on the rise. Autoimmune diseases are like every year the number is is staggering how much it increases and I'm not entirely sure why. Personally, I think it's um, has to do with our broken food system because most of the time the numbers that are climbing are in the Western world. Um, not so much in the rest of the world, if that makes sense. So That tracks. Yeah, so that is my opinion. Um, feel free to agree or disagree. Uh, and we can get into more of that in another episode but i know y'all have heard me talk a lot about like my anger towards the broken food system yeah <laughs> because everything sort of traces itself back to that and healthcare is especially um so i'm going to dive into some of these stories some of the some people have told me that i can use their names and some people haven't um i think that just stemmed from like people didn't quite realize that i asked for the permission to use their name they just were like oh here's my story which is fine so some some stories i will not be attaching a name to um this one the first person that responded i was given full permission to use this uh this is my friend libby who also is hypothyroid which is what i am mine is an autoimmune based from hashimoto's hers is not um but she was told that she was lucky because all she has to do is take a pill and everything's okay. Oh, great. Uh, that's not how that works. No. So um, it, those of you who are listening who don't have any idea what this is like or don't have these kinds of issues. Um, uh, number one, God bless you. Good for you. That's great. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. No, like, sincerely, like, that's, it's really, it seems like some of these things don't seem like a big deal, but if you're a person who doesn't have any of these things, then count your blessings, seriously, because mm-hmm. it it can really, like, 
throw your world upside down. And even something like being hypothyroid, yeah, okay, it's treated with a pill. But oftentimes it's also treated with, you know, a change in what you're eating, depending on what it stems from, or it, it can screw with your metabolism in a big, bad way. So, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but for example, you know, I, I'm a big girl. And so a doctor looks at me and isn't surprised to see that I'm hypothyroid because my metabolism runs super slow. Right. My sister, who's also hypothyroid, is not a big woman. She's a very small woman. Always has been. And so when she went in with symptoms, they basically told her, you don't look like someone who's hypothyroid, so we're not going to test you for that. So that's actually super interesting to me. And we we actually had this pretty much exact same conversation before we started recording. <laughs> and I almost launched into this. But now I'm actually going to. Now that we're recording. <laughs> because, so I'm very much in the... Um, so another podcast that Scott B is producing is called Fat Chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very much in that brain because we've recorded many episodes now that we're okay. releasing. Um, and one of the things that the fat community faces that, you know, ha- there is a, you know, a Venn diagram of autoimmune and fat people mm-hmm. um, is is the refusal of doctors to test and pursue certain symptoms Mm -hmm. because you don't it doesn't look like you have that right and something that um that an influencer posted that specifically was talking about how um black women have a hard time getting things tested by Mm -hmm. doctors i believe that it and it the a suggested remedy to that is to ask the doctor to note their refusal in your chart. Yes. Actually, that is... So I am a... I'm a member of a number of different forums on Facebook. Um, one of them is about adrenal health and thyroid. And another one is just autoimmune diseases in general. And another one is specifically for Hashimoto. So, like, it, people are constant, And most of the time I just read... And I don't often have things to comment because your journey is not my business. (laughs) Right. And I, there is no magic pill for anyone. So who am I to get on and be like, oh, have you tried this? Because I don't know your life. Have you tried coconuts? Have you tried coconut oil? All you need is some coconut oil. Um, (laughs) But um, where was I going with this? I totally just lost my train of thought with the coconut oil thing. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So... One of them, um, oh, so one of them is about the drug LDN or low dose naltrexone. So mm-hmm. naltrexone is a drug that is used to help opioid addicts get over their addiction. Okay. Okay. Um, that, that's my understanding. At, at its regular dosage, that is what it was, that's what it's intended for. At a very, very, very low dose, it has amazing effects to help people with all kinds of autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses. So I'm seeing people, you know, with um, endometriosis who are getting benefits from it. I'm seeing people with Hashimoto's who are benefiting from it. I'm seeing people with migraines who are benefiting from it. Like all of these people are telling their stories. However, because it's associated with drug addiction, 
doctors are hesitant to prescribe it or to even try it, to even consider it oftentimes. So a lot of these people, and I'm going to say ladies because the general majority of people who come into these groups and are willing to talk to complete strangers are women. Yeah. Um, they come on and they're like, oh, I went to my doctor and I asked about LDN and, and like he won't even, they won't even entertain the thought. The new thing that people are recommending in these groups is in order to advocate for yourself to have them document. There needs to be a piece of paper printed out that says, I refuse to test for or treat or consider XYZ. The doctor signs it and then you sign it. And then it goes in your in your medical file so that it's there, it's signed, it's in black and white, it's in print, hard copy. And these women are coming back with stories about how, you know, I did what you said. I went into my doctor and I demanded that they print out this, you know, this thing that we both had to sign. And they went, they left the room and then they came back and said, you know, I changed my mind. I think I will test you for that. So it's working in people's advantage. So that, that is definitely, and, and I hate that that has to be a thing. Well, yeah, and it comes from this ridiculous image of what health should be or mm-hmm. what health looks like. Yep. Like, it is the, it is literally judging a book by its cover. Right. It doesn't seem like you have that. I know that you're saying that you have these symptoms, but is it possible that you're wrong? Yeah. Because I'm looking at you right now and it doesn't seem like you have those symptoms. Right, right. Well, sometimes they don't even look at you. We were just talking about this in a, I'm, I'm not going to say who told me the story because I didn't ask her about this, but we were, um, I was having a discussion with some friends and um, this friend of mine is quite fit and used to be like a fighter. Oh, wow. So like pure muscle, right? And is also very tall and went into for a physical and they not even looking at her, looking at her chart at her numbers going, oh, you're obese. You need to lose 30 pounds. What? Because she's very, she's tall and solid muscle. So yeah, she's not going to be 150 pounds. She's just not because she's pure muscle. So I love her dearly. She said that she looked at the doctor and said, can you look at me? Look away from the chart and look at me. And then she like flexed a bicep and was like, look at me. I am pure muscle. I do a thousand sit-ups every morning. You want to tell me again that I need to lose 30 pounds? And the doctor was like, uh, uh, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't, wasn't, you weren't looking at me. You were looking at numbers on a chart. And this was years ago she was calling this doctor out. And I'm like, yes, we all need to be like this. Oh, my God. And it's not that we all need to be, like, expecting a problem when you go to the doctor. Because not all doctors are like this. There are some wonderful doctors out there. I have one. But if you are going for a problem, you have to demand the proper care. Especially this day and age, we all have access to the interwebs. Yeah. We can all do all kinds of research, and most of us do, because to be frank, in the Western, well, in this country, let's say, you kind of want to avoid going to a doctor unless you have a really great health insurance plan provided by your work. Yeah, I haven't been to a doctor in five years. Right? Because, yeah, 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 exactly. So 
you're gonna go, you're gonna Google like, hmm, what could this be? What is wrong with me? And you're gonna have some ideas, you know? No, there, I've been experiencing some symptoms, and I did some Googling recently, and I've pretty much self-diagnosed myself with something. <laughs> I don't need to go to a doctor and have them make me get on a scale and then tell me that I need to lose weight and then tell me that they're not going to test for it. Or if they do test for it, they're going to be like, yeah, oh, well, just, you know, well, you're going to live your life now. Like, I'd rather sit in my apartment, assuming I have this thing mm-hmm. where, for which there's no, no real course of action versus going and having a shitty day and finding uh-huh. out the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Right. To have them tell you that there's nothing they can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I totally get. I I actually had the experience once where I went into, and this is not the doctor I have now, but um, the doctor I had before when I first moved to Chicago. And I knew that my thyroid medication, whatever I was on at that time, I knew it wasn't working. I could feel it. And I went in and I was like, well, it's time because you have to get tested, your blood tested every year or they won't write you a new prescription anyway. Mm -hmm. So I had to go in and I'm expecting, you know, the labs to come back and tell her that I need to up my medication or be on a different one. And she basically told me, and again, she wasn't looking at me when she said it. She was looking at my chart and she said, you know... It looks like, you know, your thyroid is actually producing some some hormones, so you're probably fine without medication. I really think that you don't really need it. And then she looked at me and went, but I guess if you think you need it. Oh. Yeah. So that was her way of telling me that it was in my head. And then she followed that with, you know, and it would probably really, you'd feel a lot better if you would get out and get some exercise. Oh, my God. And I was like, that was the last time I saw that doctor. Because I was like, you don't know my life. I work on my feet. I am active. I'm about as active as you can be without being a gym rat, you know. So I just, I was so angry at that. And she prescribed me some, at the time I didn't know what it was. But it turns out that it it was the, um, and, and we talked about this beforehand too. When When you're talking about thyroid disease... And every person is different. So Libby's experience is going to be different from my experience. It's going to be different from my mom's. It's going to be different from my sister's. It's going to be different from my grandmother's. Everybody's is different. And everybody has different needs. So in my experience, I need help with the conversion process. So your pituitary gland produces the thyroid stimulating hormone, which tells your thyroid to produce. I always get these mixed up. It's either T3 or T4. I think it's T4. Before we recorded, you said T4. I said T4. I think it's T4. Because I always think that, like, I feel like it should be the other way around. So I think it's T4. Um, So your thyroid produces that, but your your cells can't use it. It has, your body has to convert it into what's called T3 in order for your cells to use it in what they need to do. Which, by the way, that is needed for about 300 different functions of the body. So if you don't have adequate levels of the converted something's not going to function right 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 so she ended up giving me a prescription for something that is only the t4 which i didn't at the time i didn't know because i'd never heard of this drug before i was on it for like six months and i was like this isn't doing anything and then i looked it up and realized that it was only 
the T4, I actually need help with the conversion, which means that I need a drug that has both T4 and T3 in it. And she was, and this drug that she gave me is normally prescribed along with another drug that's only T3 so that you're getting both. And she didn't do that. And the pharmacist even asked me, um, are you supposed to continue this other one that you were on? And I was like, she didn't give me a prescription for that. She only gave me one for this. And they were like, that doesn't make any sense, but okay, here you go. Like that should have tipped me off. What the like, hell? Yeah. So, you know, and also that was a synthetic one. And there are also naturally derived versions and different people thrive better on different ones. So like if... If I am correct in thinking Libby once told me that she's on Synthroid, which is the the most common synthetic version. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully that's working for her. Yeah. Um, If it's not Libby, go get you something better, girl. But Do it. Synthroid didn't work for me. I was on it for 14 years. I ended up with an autoimmune disease. So clearly it was not doing what it was supposed to do. So... That's a whole nother story. But the the idea that you have to demand. Yeah. You have to first you have to do your own research and then you have to go into your doctor's office and give them the research and then tell and then demand the right care, which is really unfortunate. I'm going to go back to call the midwife one more time. Yes, please. Because it just to me highlights the difference between the American health system and the European healthcare mm-hmm. system because, and granted this was in like 1957. So like they right. were like a big thing that they're the, a big, I just, the episode I just watched talked about how scientists were tinkering around with the idea of birth control. <laughs> I know. Um, but like this, these miracle, you know, these miracle drugs were being offered and told to their patients as things that could help make them feel better. Mm-hmm. As opposed to us having to do our own damn research and go in, it's like, and then like being, ha- doctoring ourselves mm-hmm. and then having it co-signed yeah. for us yeah. in the shamiest way possible. Oh, super shamey. And it, what gets me too is that they... They push certain drugs and refuse to try others. So when I went into this doctor that I have now, who I haven't actually seen for two years, but because she moved practices, but I finally have an appointment with her um, coming up in the next month or so. Hell yeah. Um, Because I, so I was on the synthetic drug. And when I finally went to see her, and she's the one that diagnosed me with Hashimoto's, and she was like, I don't know how no one saw this. Your thyroid is, like, screaming for help. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. Like, you have nodules on it from, I can see from the ultrasound. And, like, I don't know why anybody looked at these levels and thought that you were okay. Because you're not. So, here's some things we're going to do, right? And she put me on a, a natural version of the thyroid medication that really helped for a while. That medication was reformulated. Oh, no. And suddenly didn't work as well. I'm not saying it didn't work at all for me. But gradually over time, I was noticing that I wasn't feeling as great. And of course, 
I'm blaming myself. Like, what am I doing wrong? Because that's what we've been conditioned to do. Yeah, like, oh, like, have I been, you know, slacking off with with what I've been eating? What I've been eating. Have I been not drinking enough water? Have I been pushing myself too hard? Because if I do that, then I can, like, blow my adrenals really easily. So I'm going through all of these things and come to the, and then I found out that they had reformulated this and a lot of people are complaining that it's not working anymore. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why I'm feeling not so great. Then it became a, it's now a problem where it's on back order. Like, I don't uh. know if the company's not making enough, but it, like it was on back order for about a month. So like no pharmacy could get it for me. So I didn't have, I didn't have it for a month. And then finally they had it and I'm great. I'm, I'm going, I'm on it for like three months. And then just, uh, this April, right. The week after Easter, suddenly it's on back order again and I haven't been able to get a hold of it. So I've been without, which is how I managed to get in to see my doctor at her new place because I was like. I can't get this drug. No, I've called all the pharmacies, not just mine, but like all the different, I called Costco, I called Walgreens, I called CVS, I called all of these different places and no one can get it. And the woman find, the, the woman on the phone who's a, a medical aide says to me, yeah, the company's on back order for like two years now. They're going on two years. And I was like, are they just not making enough? What is the deal? She was like, I really don't know. And at this point... I wouldn't count on it coming back. So we'll get you on something else. Which is fine since it was not working as well anyway. But it just, the whole thing is just a nightmare. The fact that you have to like chase it down. Right. And back in the day when I first was trying to get away from the synthetic stuff because I knew it wasn't working. That old doctor that basically told me it was in my head refused to even entertain the idea of putting me on a naturally desiccated thyroid medication. She said, there's no, there's no proof that that works any better. And I was like, but if I don't feel well on one, why not try the other? Is it going to hurt me? Well, no, but there's no proof that it works better. But maybe it works better for me. But this one isn't working. Right, exactly. (laughs) So that whole, like, and, and it's the same with the, the LDN thing, like trying to get a doctor that is willing to try it, knowing that there's, it's not going to be dangerous. It's not like they're subjecting you to something, you know, I guess lethal. I, what, what is the, what do doctors have to lose? I don't know. I do think, and somebody can write to me and tell me if I'm very, very wrong, But in some offices, particularly private practices, doctors can and do get funding from specific drug companies. And then they are asked to, I don't want to say push, but essentially that's what they're doing. So back in the, way back in the day when I was on the pill, which I'm not anymore, um, because that fucked with me in other ways. But I had a doctor that was pushing that, that, what do they call it? That ring, that Nuva ring. Oh. Really hard. Like every time I would, I would go in for an annual checkup, she would push this Nuva ring and like hand me all these pamphlets about it and be like, I can insert it for you right now. I'm like, can I just, can you just, can I just have my pill? Yeah. Can you just like give me the prescription so I can refill my pill and like be done? Like, I don't want this. Why is this such a... Th- and she was really into it. Isn't that the thing that, like, ended up fucking up a bunch of women? Yep. Cute. Right? 
So I was real glad I didn't go that route. You know, that the one time that I didn't let, I didn't let a doctor's opinion get in my head. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So uh, let's move on to some other stories here. Um, We maybe talked about this already. I have another friend who was like, I love it when they say, but you look fine. Yeah. The whole diagnosing based on what you look like is the biggest bunch of bullshit ever. Well, and it's it's not just in the medical industry. This particular phrase, when it happens anywhere, can be problematic. And I don't Um, like to use that word, but it is. Yeah. It just is, you know, for anyone to tell you if if you're opening yourself up to somebody, especially a friend or family member and saying, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. Oh, but you, what? but you, you look, look fine. fine. You don't look sick. So is that your form of denial? Because I'm telling you that this is what's wrong. Also, how does one look sick? Like, right. do you expect me to like walk into the Christmas party jaundiced? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I could, there were times in my life that I was feeling great and I would walk into school and somebody would ask me if I was okay, merely because I didn't have eyeliner on. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, how does that make me look sick? But when I'm telling you I'm actually sick, but you look fine. (laughs) And this is coming from a friend who has um, other issues that I don't have and... She actually breaks out into hives if the wrong thing, and and it's not an, it's sort of like her body is reacting to an allergy, but it's not a specific food allergy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a chronic autoimmune thing, um, but she will physically like puff up. So for somebody to tell her, but you look fine, like Ugh. okay, maybe I look fine today, but you didn't see me when I before I was diagnosed and I was all my face was all puffy and I had hives everywhere, right? So it's going back to the idea that like you don't know someone's journey, so you have to choose your if if somebody is trusting you with that kind of information, you have to choose your words carefully. Yeah. You know, um and then she also talked about um and this is one that that was talked about on the other podcast that I was listening to the Phoenix Helix. At least you don't have insert worst disease here. And the big one that they talked about on the Phoenix Helix was at least you don't have cancer. That literally just popped into my head. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're right. You're you're right. I don't have cancer. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not, that doesn't mean my quality of life is not affected. Right. And there's something about diminishing someone's pain because it's not as great as someone else's in your mind. Yeah. So it's like, oh, what's the example I was thinking of? Oh, when somebody broke into my car, this was a a few years ago, somebody broke into my car and took something and smashed a window and whatever. Had the window replaced. Everything was fine. But it's this feeling of being violated. Right. Right. And I remember saying to a friend, I know it's not that big a deal, but it still feels weird. And she was like, no, don't, you don't have to diminish the fact that you feel violated just because it wasn't 
you don't think it was that serious. It's serious to you. And in that moment, you have every right to feel like you have been violated because you were. Your personal space was broken into. And that's that's every bit as valid as someone whose home has been broken into. Yeah. You know, so. I had something similar happen where I was very tired coming home from a gig one night and Daniel was helping me parallel park and I rolled my window down mm-hmm. so that he could tell me like, yeah, you're in the spot. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot to roll my window back up. Um, and the only thing that we had left in there was Daniel's backpack that he brought to work that mm-hmm. just, it didn't even really, it had a pair of, like, Apple headphones. Okay. And his work badge. And that was it, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, it it could have been much worse. And my window wasn't smashed. And nothing of value was stolen. But, but it still, still fucking sucks. It still sucks. Right. So I think that that whole idea, at least you don't have whatever. Cancer. Yeah. Yeah, cancer sucks. We all know this. Cancer really, really sucks. And the amount of people that it has taken away from us is not okay. But I think... Trying to make somebody else feel better with that kind of phrasing is not going to make them feel better. Actually, it makes us feel pretty shitty. You know, like, oh, I guess I'm, I shouldn't be complaining. I guess. I guess I'm whining. I guess I'm whining. I guess my problems aren't that bad. I guess I should be grateful. But you don't feel grateful. You know, you don't feel lucky to have a disease. No. You don't feel lucky to have a chronic illness. Now, on the offhand that you have learned something about yourself in the process, sometimes you feel lucky to have gained that knowledge. Right. You know, like, I I learned quite a lot about nutrition. And that I feel lucky because I would not have been spurred on to dig into that on my own without some kind, this, this life-changing diagnosis. Right. right. So... In that sense, yes, that I'm lucky that something changed my life to the point that I was able to gain this kind of knowledge. But I still would never, I'm not going to wish this on an enemy, you know? And that was something that the the host of this other podcast said, she's like, she has rheumatoid arthritis. She's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's not luck. It's terrible. It's painful. It sucks. No, it's not cancer. But it still sucks. So that kind of it I don't I don't know. I guess if you're trying to put a positive spin on things, that's not the way to do it. No. In in my opinion. And basically everybody that <laughs> that commented on that when sh- that my friend posted this this idea was like, oh yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst when somebody says that. So yeah, that's kind of the worst. Yeah. Um Moving on to other stories. So I have one that's uh, from somebody with uh, celiac disease. Okay. Which is technically an autoimmune disease. Right. Um, But if you are celiac, you can... it Being gluten-free... Ugh, this is a whole other thing that like gets my gears grinding. Um, the idea that gluten-free is a fad because some people think that it's healthier... Yeah. Air quotes. 
it's really not. Um, it causes people to not understand that a celiac cannot have gluten. Yeah. Cannot, absolutely, no cross contact. Like, it can't be. It just can't. Yeah. Um, unless you want that person to be sick for three days straight. Like, that's that's what happens, right? One of our favorite YouTubers is is actually celiac, like, fully celiac. Oh, really? And, like, and like had to take a short break from YouTube for a little while just because he, he got glutened mm-hmm. and was so sick. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. It's... I would say it's just as bad as having an actual like because celiac is not an allergy. It's um it's an autoimmune disease, but it's like having a food allergy. If that person gets any kind of cross contamination with gluten, they'll be down for the count for a while. Yeah. You know? So this uh this person posted that <laughs> quote unquote, let me just take the croutons off. You should be okay. Ugh. Yeah, no. No, that's not how that works. And I have a couple of friends who can't have gluten. And it's the same, like... Okay, if I go into a restaurant and there's croutons on something and you take the croutons off, chances are I will be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have an immediate reaction to gluten. It just has an adverse effect on how my body attacks my thyroid. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I don't need it. But if you're somebody who ends up with crazy inflammation in your joints, like Jesse like, Oliver, like Jesse Oliver, like yeah, no, that's not okay, and it's not a fad. And don't roll your eyes at me because I asked you if you can keep this off because it has gluten in it, or because I asked you what the process is that it's made in the kitchen, or because I asked you if you have a gluten free menu, or you know what any of those things, like. As somebody who works in food service, I'm hyper aware of those kinds of questions. I'm also hyper aware of how people, other people in food service react when I ask those questions. Yeah. So oftentimes I will, I'll straight up say, hey, it's not an allergy, but it's also not a fad. I do have, I do have a condition. I can't have gluten. So I won't die if something is, is if there's a slight chance of cross contact, but I'd like to know up front, right? And sometimes you, if you just go in and you ask for like, can I get that with the gluten-free bun? You'll get an eye roll. Yeah. Or if you ask, can I get that without the bread? Which I've had to do numerous times. You know, you find something on a menu that looks great. You ask how it's made. Everything seems, you know, kosher for you. And then, but it comes with a side of bread. Mm-hmm. Well, can you just not bring the bread? And I get this look that's like, wait, what? Yeah. Especially if it's like breakfast or brunch. Oh, and it's like it comes with a side of toast or yeah. something. Yeah. It's like, so, I just want it no toast. What do you want? Like pancakes or something? No. No, just no, no bread. Just no bread. Uh, oh, okay. No, <laughs> I, I worked at a restaurant for a little while that was very gluten heavy. Mm. And whenever somebody would come in, like there was this, um, there was this sandwich that was available that was very, very popular, but somebody 
with a gluten allergy came in and asked if it could be made, or not an allergy, but someone who couldn't consume gluten mm-hmm. asked if we have, because we had egg sandwiches, uh-huh. asked if it could be made into an omelet. Interesting. And the kitchen had a shit fit. Really? Yeah. An absolute shit fit. Ugh. Was not okay with it. See, and we don't, so we don't make, in, in my cafe, we also have, it, it's very gluten heavy, actually. And we don't have, we don't make eggs to order. So if we have a breakfast sandwich, these are scrambled eggs that were made already. Yeah. Um. So it, that's, omelets are not something we do. Yeah. We don't have that kind of facility, right? So, but what we have started doing instead is we have started offering what we call a breakfast bowl, which is a protein and the scrambled eggs and cheese if you want it. And then you can add vegetables to it. Yeah. And then they put that in a, in like a packet and heat it up on the grill or on the panini grill. Yeah. So it's all hot that way and it's not, it doesn't have bread on it. This place made their eggs to order. Okay. Then there's no excuse for that. Yeah. An absolute meltdown in the kitchen. Like, of- do you not know how to make an omelet? No, it was anger. Seriously? Yeah. Righteous indignation. Why don't people, for my birthday, for my birthday this year, it's going to be a no substitution day. No substitutions. It's written, it's it's on the menu this way because that's how it should be eaten. So I understand that to a certain degree. As a chef, there are some things that I create. This is how it's meant to be eaten. Yeah. But if somebody comes to me and says, this sounds really good, but if I have this ingredient, I'll be sick. Yeah. Okay. Then I will either say, you know what? All the ingredients are pre-made and I can't process or I can't promise that there's no cross contact in the process. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of the facility that we have. However, I will suggest X, Y, Z that doesn't have this ingredient. Like, I'm not going to lose my shit. Yeah. Because I get it. Um, but I, I yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cooks that don't get it. And the problem there is that you're supposed to be cooking for other people, not for yourself. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's like what in grad school when they they told us about singing, they were like, you, yeah, you sing because you like it, but you're not singing for you. You're singing for your audience. Right. They're the ones that paid the ticket. They're the ones that are paying your paycheck. So if somebody comes into my restaurant and says, I can't have this thing. Now we have a giant sign that says, hey, we can't promise that there's no cross contact just because everything goes in the same panini grill because we only have the one. Yeah. We can do our best, but we can't promise anything. So I generally tell people, you know, if you have a really severe allergy, I would feel better if you just don't eat here. Get some coffee. We make great coffee. But maybe don't eat here if that's the issue. I would never let my nephew eat where I work because of his allergies. Right. You know, so, but I'm not going to shame him because of those allergies. It's not his fault. No. You know, so that idea that like, oh, it's not a big deal. Let me just take the croutons off for you. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, it is. It is a big deal. Yeah. Because if you do that. I'm going to be in the bathroom for three days. I mean, not me, but the person that wrote this. Right. Um, 
Yeah, so that's a that's a whole other thing. If you work in the food industry, just keep in mind that if somebody has food issues, has allergies or intolerances, and they're trying to eat out, chances are they don't get to eat out that often. And they're just trying to have a nice time with their friends or their family. So a little bit of understanding goes a really long way. Like anytime I go into a place and somebody says, um, you know, I, I tell them straight up, I can't have gluten. And then they're sometimes I'll get a server that's like, oh, you know what? These are the dishes that you want to choose from then. Because these will be completely like they're not made anywhere near the glutinous stuff. They're not, you know, or like I don't I don't do well with soy either. So I went into this sushi place and the guy actually pointed out, he's like, these seven items will be free of gluten and soy as they are on the menu. Just don't dip the fish in soy sauce. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Thank you. Like that goes so far. Yeah. In making somebody's experience that much better. No, at honestly, at one of the better run restaurants I worked at, there was a whole day set aside in our training because we helped. We were like the opening crew for mm-hmm. this place where we sat down with an allergy advocate mm-hmm. and we were told we were we were like quizzed on the eight most common allergens and we went through the menu piece by piece and with the cooks mm-hmm. and they were like okay this is made like if they have a gluten allergy if they cannot eat gluten they cannot get this stuff this stuff or this stuff you should recommend them these two things mm-hmm. like and it was yes it was a day out of our training yeah but it was specifically in mind that it they wanted to be a restaurant that was safe for families that where their kids have allergies. Yeah. That was the specific intention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's I think that's brilliant. I think that's fantastic. It is now required in the city of Chicago. Um so we used to have because Chicago is is uh what are the, what's the word for it? Um was considered almost like sovereign unto itself as far as food code. So Interesting. In, so instead of so there's there's a national a national certification you can get called serve safe. Yeah. Right. That covers most places except big cities that are considered sovereign and can make their own rules. So Chicago was one of those cities and had their own system. So if you were serve safe certified and you moved to Chicago and you're working in the food industry, that doesn't cut it. You had to take a separate certification, and I think it was called like the Chicago Food Managers food food safety management certification if as as a manager of a restaurant like or a cook like i am and so that's what i had for a long time and then they also require that anyone who handles food in any kind of facility even if you're just somebody who just like pulls pastries out of a case and hands them to customers Mm -hmm. you must have a food handler certification that goes through the very basics of food safety right well now um it's been a year actually now, but they have changed the Chicago food code in order to align it closer to the FDA, which means that now anyone who has the, who is the person of, oh, what do they call it? I can't remember the exact term, but it's like the person in charge 
or whoever has the management certification, which technically only one person per shift is required to have it. Right. Almost everyone in our restaurant has it. <laughs> We've all taken it. Um, but that person is also now required to take a food allergy test as well. So it's like like a three-hour class, and then you have to take a test and be certified. So I think that that's a really great idea, too, because that gives that's actually giving knowledge to people who have been in food service for a long time, but maybe don't understand these things because it breaks that down. What is cross-contact? What is cross-contamination? What are the differences? What can you do to avoid them? What do you do to when a customer comes in with allergies? All of that thing. So we're now thinking um, in my shop that we will just have everyone take that because it's like... It's it's, just good to know. It's a three-hour class. It costs $15 and it's... Oh, only 15 bucks? Yeah, yeah. And you take it online. Oh. So it goes through, you know, and at least it's a bait. It's not super like in depth. You know, it's like the food handlers one. Yeah. It's a few hours of your time, but you get the basic knowledge that maybe you didn't have before. Right. So you learn which sink is hot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what the temperature danger zones are, all of that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're we're thinking about doing that, which I think will really step up our game in on that front. Yeah. Um, so here's another story. This person, um, I'm not going to use their name, but they have an autoimmune condition that they didn't, they didn't tell me what it was and it doesn't matter. Um, but when it was at its worst, this person had a handicapped parking permit and the apartment building that they lived in did not have a handicapped spot in the front of the building. So they had to ask and they asked and they asked and they asked for over two months to have a handicap spot put in. Um, the third time they went to the leasing office or the resident office, they were told by a staff member that they didn't look sick and it's not like you're in a wheelchair. You should feel lucky. So then, um, so that was the one thing, like, you should be lucky that you're not in a wheelchair and you don't look sick. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, right? So this person stood up for themselves and explained that it wasn't the resident manager's call whether or not they looked sick or like they looked like they needed that spot. That's up to the physician and the state to decide. And feel. Uh, she did tell me I could feel free to use this. Um, So she says when they did put the sign in, they literally placed it at the farthest point from the building's entrance. Which is the opposite of what a handicapped parking spot is supposed to be. Yeah. So. That's charming. She said, you better believe I made them dig it up and move it. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Stand up for yourself. Oh, my God. But, like. What is that? What is that? What kind of petty shit? Another friend of mine who also has a chronic illness uh, posted on this story, I want to smash them with the ADA. Like, just smash it over their heads. Like, because you can't do that. No. She has a notice from the state that says she needs a handicapped parking spot. You have not provided a handicapped parking spot. You need to remedy that. Period. Oh, my God. End of story. Like, and it doesn't matter what the reasoning is landlords be like that wasn't and that wasn't here by the way that's not a chicago thing just fyi that was in a different state 
Um, I was just, I literally, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I literally, b- before I just said, before I said landlords, landlords. Be, I almost said Chicago landlords be like, but no, yeah. she said this was in, uh, it was in Michigan actually. So, oh, yeah, I see you mitten. Mm-hmm. Get with the program. So here's another, oh, my friend, Emily, who's Emily is the one who said, I want to smash him with the ADA. My friend, Emily is, uh. An incredible human. She's so smart. She knows so many things about so many things. Um, but Emily suffers from severe chronic migraines to the point where she can't really hold a job and she can't really travel. So the amount of debilitating migraines that she has, it's it's probably easier to count how many days she doesn't have one. Oh my God. If that makes sense. So... She posted, um, the least helpful thing somebody said to her was, well, you know, my relative so-and-so stopped eating any sugar and she no longer has migraines. There's no magic pill, folks. Yeah, no. There's no magic pill that's going to work for everyone. Like We we have this whole discussion about hypothyroidism. Even though that's one disease... And millions of people have it. One pill does not work for everyone. Well, and not only that, like not only does one pill not work for everyone, but one homeopathic remedy does not work work for everybody. Right. So my dad had cancer Mm -hmm. when I was in college. And I cannot tell you how many people came up to me with weird teas, with weird, with like printouts of like herbal shit. Right. Like, oh, my aunt had cancer and we gave her these herbs and and it the doctor said that, you know, e- you know, that the tumor shrunk and I was like, Was she on chemo? And they're like, Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I bet it was the chemo. I bet that because that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like I cannot tell you like when you're sick or when you are in the vicinity of someone who's sick, how much shit and Mm -hmm. unsolicited advice you get yep which is why and i'm sure that i am just as guilty as others for giving unsolicited advice because when you first start to learn about your own your own body and your own disease and you start figuring things out that work for you you kind of want to share it with other people because you don't want other people to suffer what you've suffered. Right. So I get it from that perspective, but I have now learned that that's not the best way to go about things because everybody is different. Everybody is different and everybody is going to react to different things in a different way. You know, I've met so many different women with Hashimoto's who do completely different things that work for them. And some of them work for me and some don't. You know, like I met a woman the other day who is on the synthetic thyroid pill that I was on for years and years. And she was like, I just take that and I'm fine. I don't have to. And and I don't eat gluten and everything else is great. And I was like, that's it. And she was like, yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of Hashimoto's, right? You just take a pill and you're good. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not. It's not like that for everybody, you know, so. That's why I'm I'm a member of all these different forums, but I never post anything. Yeah. <laughs> Unless somebody is specifically asking like, hey, 
do you have a good recipe for gluten-free brownies? Because, fuck yeah, I got you. You know, like, <laughs> like, I will post that right away. I got that for you. Like, sit down, get ready. Get ready. I got the recipes coming. But I, I try really hard not to, like, give the unsolicited advice that can make someone feel like I'm judging them or their way of life. Because right. that's, I'm sure I did it. I'm sure I was guilty of it. And it's hard when you're in that mindset of like, I'm healing my body. And if everybody did this, maybe everybody could feel better. And that's just not the case. Well, I mean, it's tempting. It like is. When, when you feel like you've like cracked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tempting. But if if I really cracked it and fixed it, then I'd, I'd be a millionaire. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like I, I took from probably six or seven different you know, doctor slash influencer type people who have studied this for years and wrote books to get to a point where I feel somewhat better than I did before I was diagnosed. I'm still not fixed. Yeah. You know, and there is no fix. Right. For an autoimmune disease it's it, or a chronic illness. I mean, oftentimes they're for life. Like right. you don't fix it. What you can do is manage it so that you can still live a good life. But again, that management is going to be different for everybody. If one of those doctors that I read had the magic formula, then that's what we all would be doing. But people are still writing books. People are still doing research because clearly the one thing doesn't work for everybody. Um, so, yeah, Emily said that she hates unsolicited advice, but she really hates unsolicited judgmental advice that is clearly untrue. So... Maybe if that person who stopped eating sugar stopped getting migraines, maybe they were just eating too much sugar in the first place. Who knows? Or or maybe like, or maybe they're just ultra sensitive to sugar. That's very possible. It's very possible. I know. I know somebody who gets migraines if she eats chocolate. Yeah, a friend of mine gets really bad headaches if she eats gluten or sugar. Right. Like even like fruit. Wow. Yeah. And the idea, though, that Emily, having having suffered these for years, has not already thought about those things. Oh yeah, that's that's the other thing. Like, I mean, like if you're if you're so debilitated by migraines that like you you have trouble holding down a job and can't travel, like you don't think that she's tried every damn she's thing, tr- right? She has a team of doctors at like big fancy schmancy hospital. Like she she lives in um. South Dakota. South Dakota? Emily, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I can't remember if it's South or North Dakota, but she lives in the Dakotas. But she has traveled to the University of Michigan hospitals because they have some new research that they're doing to get a battery of tests done. A woman who can't really travel because the pain is so bad. So you better believe she's tried all the things that she can try. She has a whole team of people working on trying to help her. So for somebody to come up and be like, oh, well, if you just stop eating sugar. (laughs) Maybe less chocolate, Emily. Yeah. I love you. I love you, I'm Joe. Um, That's that's Daniel's sister's nickname. Daniel's sister's nickname. M. Joe? M. Joe. Emily Johansson. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. We started calling Emily M. Joe back in high school. I've known her. For like 25 years now, she's one of my one of my girls, one of my besties, and it makes me so sad that she has to deal with this this chronic pain. That sucks. And and I do hope like 
of course I hope that someday one of these doctors will crack something and and discover something miraculous that takes away her pain. But that's, that's his research, her research, that person, you know, like, that's a different, it's a different thing than somebody just being like, hey, what if you stopped eating sugar? God. Emily, eat the cake. (laughs) That's what I had to say about that. Um... She did have something uh, on a positive note to say, too. She said that something that people have said to her that she finds most helpful is when people say, is there anything I can do to help? And then actually listening if I need something and following through. Mm. So just the the non-judgmental listening, I think, is, is, is a big deal. That's yeah. a really big deal if somebody tells you, they have this thing that they suffer with. It, I feel like it's like it's like when you're arguing with your spouse, although I don't have a spouse, so maybe I shouldn't use this. But I have heard <laughs> that sometimes, you know, when you're in a relationship and you just you just want to complain or you just want to like, this is my statement or this is my problem and mm-hmm. I just need to say it. Yeah. You don't necessarily want. Or need the other person to try and fix it right away. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to say it. Yeah. Right? And I feel like that's the, this is a very similar thing. Like, sometimes you just, especially if you're, you know, getting closer to somebody as a friend or, you know, a significant other or, you know, it's a new diagnosis and you want to share it with your family. Just saying it makes it more tangible and more... More like like something that you can grasp onto and handle as opposed to this nebulous problem. Just just like putting it out there and being like, okay, this is the thing. This is the thing that I'm going to try and, and deal with. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you need everybody you talk to to try and give you a solution or to try and fix you. Right. Because chances are you got, you've seen plenty of doctors. So some of them not helpful <laughs> as we've discussed. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, is there anything that I can do to help? It's lovely. It's lovely. And maybe, and like, and having, presenting it as, like, a standing offer. Because, like, mm-hmm. is there anything that I can do to help? If the answer in that moment is no, when then you're called upon to help. Right. The expectation is yes. Right. You've offered. Yeah. And... To give that help without any judgment. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I really need help with this. And I shouldn't need to give you a reason if you've already said, how can I help? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I agree with that. And Emily also said, um, and just because I have a chronic illness slash disability, that doesn't obligate me to try every remedy diet quote-unquote, traditional practice and magic spell anyone's ever heard of. Disabled people are allowed to have boundaries. Yeah. Sick people are allowed to have boundaries. So, and and when I was reading this, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so in my world, in my autoimmune issues, sugar is probably not a thing I should eat a lot of. But you know what? Damn it. Sometimes you just want to enjoy some ice cream. Yeah. And that's okay. And that doesn't make you 
a bad person for eating the thing or doing the thing that maybe doesn't always serve you. Yeah. Because you know that. You're aware. And like this is obviously, you know, me being vegan is not a is not a like due to autoimmune disorder right. or disease. But it is, you know, if if I decide, you know, if I if I eat dairy, it adversely affects me pretty significantly. Right, right. But because your body's gotten used to not having it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was before being vegan, I was lactose intolerant okay. anyway. So, but, um, like, that doesn't mean that, you know, when I, back when I was working at restaurants and I got hungry on a shift and the m- place I was working didn't have vegan options and I needed something more filling than bread. Mm-hmm. That didn't stop me. Like, there were moments where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I am going to have that thing with cheese on it. Have that thing. Because I'm, because I'm starving. Right. And eating... A piece of bagel will not sustain me. Right, right. You need something that's going to keep you going. Right. You're, it's They have a, a phrase in the new mom world um, when when moms are struggling with breastfeeding and they feel, they feel guilty or bad or ashamed for using formula. Fed is best. And I love that phrase because I think that that echoes for all of us. Yeah. You know, like... Okay, so yeah, there are nights that I go home and it's late and I'm tired and I worked a 10-hour shift on my feet in a 100-degree kitchen and I'm just going to drink a alcoholic beverage and eat some cheese and crackers. Yeah. And is that the best thing for me? Probably not if I do it all the time. But I need to be fed. And I don't have time to cook or I don't have the desire to cook anything at home, you know. And it's like, you just have to feed yourself. You just have to feed yourself. And if that means that in that moment you have to have the thing that maybe isn't going to make you feel so great later, then you do it. Or you choose to have the thing that is going to make your life enjoyable in that moment. You go to a birthday party, you have a piece of cake. You know what? Eat the damn cake. Yeah. Unless it's going to make you sick for three days if you're celiac, you know, then, but like... Then maybe don't eat the then cake. Then maybe don't eat the cake, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy other things, you know, right. like... I have a freezer full of ice cream right now, and I probably shouldn't eat ice cream every day, but it's hot as balls in Chicago. Yeah. So I'm eating ice cream, and I don't feel bad about it. Like, no. that's that's part of summer that I enjoy. Yeah. And everyone... And if, if you know, Emily wants to eat some sugar... She and should, she fucking, she should should. fucking eat the sugar, like eat the damn cake, eat the thing. You know, when people tell me, oh, oh, it's so sad that you can't have gluten. I, I could never do that. I usually tell them, good, don't. Please eat the bread. Eat the bread. If, if it doesn't adversely affect you or put you in the hospital, eat the damn bread because bread is delicious. Yeah. And whatever is going to feed you in that moment, you shouldn't. It's, it comes around to that whole like food doesn't have a morality or shouldn't have a morality attached to it. So even if you are somebody with a chronic illness who treats a majority of their illness with how they eat, it's still okay to indulge in that one thing that you can't have. Sometimes I eat gluten every once in a great while. I have to kind of plan it knowing that the next day I might not feel so great, but I do it. Once in a while. I'm not celiac. 
Yeah. So once in a very great while, I enjoy the thing. I probably shouldn't have that much sugar. My PCOS causes weird sugar things. But that doesn't stop me from baking a tray of brownies and then taking the rest to work. You know, like, sometimes you just need some brownies. So, yeah. Um, And Emily's totally right. Like, nobody is obligated to try every single tiny thing that is suggested in the world. Like, chances are, like we've already said, you've already seen a bunch of doctors. You've already tried a bunch of things. And maybe you're still on that journey to figure out what works for you. But that doesn't mean that somebody else's, you know, nonchalant advice is warranted, in my opinion. So, yeah, there's a couple of other stories about the same thing, like unsolicited advice. Um, And then one person posted coming back to women and and the weight issue people who tell you well i bet you'd feel better if you lost some weight or doctors who tell you that that when a doctor tells you that that's the worst um or have you tried yoga yeah this was said to somebody with fibromyalgia like Mm, do you have fibromyalgia? Do you know how painful that is? Like, yoga is not a thing that a person with fibromyalgia is going to want to do every day. No. Because sometimes that person can't move, you know? So, if you just lose some weight, what does your weight have to do with the fibromyalgia? There was, um, on on an episode of Fat Chat we just recorded, we talked about how, um, a friend of jesse's or someone that jesse knows or i think or no maybe it was an article that jesse had read Mm -hmm. i think it was in the new york times okay where there was a woman who was having fertility problems Mm -hmm. she went into the doctor and was like i'm having fertility issues and Mm -hmm. they were like well you're obese so that's probably why and we won't even explore fertility treatments with you unless you get gastric bypass what? And so then she got gastric bypass and they, and she was still infertile. That is so messed up. Yeah. Like. <sighs> hey, how I'm, about you do a hormone panel? How about you take a blood test and do a hormone panel and see where her sex hormones are? Um, Angela, like, don't you know that, God. don't you know that being fat that could manipulate the results. Oh my god. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. Oh my god. That's so frustrating and I mean my mother is my mother's having some issues right now as well with with her doctor. My mother is not overweight. I mean, whatever you would call whatever you call overweight, whatever people think is overweight. My mother is smaller than I am. Um, but she twisted her knee a while back. It's been like a year now. She's been dealing with this pain. She, she twisted her knee, like, you know, it swelled up the whole shebang, you know, she iced it, whatever. Um, and then after all the swelling went down and it was quote unquote healed, she kept having this pain. 
And it's like a very localized pain. One, like she can point at the spot and be like, this, this is where it hurts. Right in this spot right here. Not the rest of the knee. Her other knee is fine. That one spot. And she goes in and has x-ray done, whatever. And they basically tell her, and they've told her this a number of times now, that she probably just needs to lose weight. And that would fix the problem. And I keep telling her, you need to demand that an MRI be done. Because if there is a localized pain like that. Yeah. And hey, your other knee doesn't hurt. Yeah. Then it's not, it's not your weight. And you had injured that knee. And you injured that knee. Quite, quite bad. Like enough for the whole knee to swell up. Like, yeah. No, I've had, I've had chronic knee issues since I was 12. Mm -hmm. And that was before I was fat. And, like, because of the, like, basically, since I was 12, my, uh, if you're squeamish, skip 30 seconds ahead. <laughs> um, but my, my knee will pop in and out of its place, just unprovoked. Oh, crazy. Yeah. It's called patella subluxation. I have heard of other people with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, like. I would just be walking or, in one case, standing in an archway Mm -hmm. at my mom's house. I'm just standing, and all of a sudden, my knee just gave out and I collapsed. (gasps) Or it happened to me a lot in, like, middle school and high school. Um, And then it didn't happen as much. Mm -hmm. But then, and actually, I was in the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was running and it happened. And I, like, fell and, yeah, isn't that... It was horrible. Um, but, yeah, like, I went to, like, when I was a kid, I got it checked out. And when I was an adult and in the best shape of my life, I got it checked out. And both times they were like, yeah, you probably just need to lose some weight. And I'm like, <sighs> I am, in, first ca- in the first case, obviously I couldn't advocate for myself because I was a child. Right, right. But, like, looking back at pictures, I was not fat. I was, like, chubby, but in the way that a kid is chubby. Right. And there's, that's, that's healthy. That's fine. Yeah. Like, unless a kid is presenting with, like, you know, diabetic symptoms. Well, and then also, like, on top of that, when they told me, like, oh, well, you probably need to lose some weight. I'm like, has it escaped you that I did this to myself while I was running? Running? What, 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 what else do you want me to do? Like, oh, and then they were like, well, tell me about your habits. And I'm like, well, I go to the gym every day for about 45 minutes and I'm paleo. <sighs> so what do you want me to do? What? Yeah. Like, literally tell me what else you want me to do because I'm doing everything. That is so frustrating. That's so frustrating. That's like the guy at the the gym that um, I'm not a member of this gym anymore, by the way. But I went in and like signed up for a new membership and they try to talk you into getting their personal training. And I was like... Can I ask you which gym it was? It was LA Fitness. Oh, okay. It really pushy. And yeah. I was like, I absolutely cannot afford that. It's like $500 a month. Yeah. And he was like, really? If, you know, most people, if you sit down and look at your budget and where you want to spend your money, and I'm like, I can barely afford the $25 a month that you're agreeing to let me sign up for at the gym let alone $500 for a personal trainer, I can't do it. I'm sorry. But I do want to start coming to this gym. 
So they do like a, the sign up came with like a free assessment, if you will. So like the personal trainer guy like runs you through these tests, these physical tests, and then asks you all these questions, like this questionnaire that you fill out. And one of the things was how many hours a day do you sit? Well, or no, how many hours a week do you sit at your day job? Well, I put two hour, two and a half at most. And he looked at the paper and he goes, did you mean to write 25 here? And I was like, no. You only sit for two and a half hours a week at your job. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm a professional cook. You want to come stand in my kitchen for a week? Sometimes I don't even sit to eat lunch. Which means that that two and a half hours was like like an exaggeration of the time that I actually do sit. Like I was... I was averaging a half hour lunch break for every day of the week that I'm at work. That's not realistic. But that's not realistic. Anybody who's worked in a kitchen knows that that don't happen. No. Like sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes you walk away for about five minutes, you shove some food in your face and you come back to what you're doing. Right. But you don't sit. <laughs> like you answer the question, you're like, hmm, how hmm. many times a day do I pee while I'm at work? Right. <laughs> <laughs> And how many minutes does it take me to pee? Okay. Yeah. Let's so, say five minutes a day I sit. I sit, right? For the five minutes that I sit on the toilet and try to collect myself. Myself before I go back out there. And But just like the look on his face, like looking at me and the complete disbelief. And I'm like, I, you can come shadow me at work. Like, that's what I told him. I was like, you want to come shadow me? I'll show you. I don't sit at work. That's not what we do. Yeah. It just was, yeah. So this has been a really good discussion yeah. about these these topics. It brings up a lot of other topics as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what I really wanted to hit home was that, and this goes for all kinds of things, not just chronic illness, but, you know, we all could stand to think about what we say before we say it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when somebody is being vulnerable with you and telling you something very personal that the best bet chances are in almost all circumstances is not even I'm sorry like maybe don't apologize but just if you need something let me know or even just not saying anything and just listening yeah you know honestly if somebody is coming to you to talk to the to talk to you about like, these are the symptoms I'm experiencing. Like, like oh, you asked me why I couldn't go out last week. Here's why. Here's why. I had an episode of this. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. They are not coming to you for medical advice. They are not coming to you for the answer. They're not coming to you for a miracle cure. They're coming to you because they trust you to be compassionate. Exactly. Exactly. They don't need you to fix it. No. They just need you to listen and be compassionate. Exactly. And, to, and then... With, armed with that knowledge, be understanding of any further behaviors that may stem from that. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think that, you know, like I said, I am just as guilty of this as as anyone else might be. And even after I was diagnosed, I'm just as guilty. And so I think that when I say we all, I really mean that, you know, we all could really stand to just be more impeccable with our word. Um, so yeah, that's my positive ending for that subject. And before we sign off, um, Maureen, I want to know what's in your pie hole. 
I think I've done this one before, but I, That's but okay. it's but it's in my pie hole. Oatmeal. Oatmeal. Oatmeal's yeah, great. I've been eating a lot of oatmeal. Ooh, I had real good oatmeal today. I had like sick sick person indulgent oatmeal mm. where um I melted vegan butter. Okay. And then added brown sugar. Mm-hmm. And then added the oats and kind of toasted the oats. Ooh. Um and then added a couple of globs of peanut butter and some cinnamon and kind of worked that worked into a that paste in. nice. and then very slowly added almond milk and kind of whisked it together mm. until it just became like a big glob of and deliciousness then, and then i put it in a bowl and i put more butter on top yes and vegan butter if you've never had vegan butter you know it, it's a thing it's it exists um it's always salted mhm I have learned that the hard way. Yeah. I don't eat vegan butter. I, I, I don't, I don't love vegan butter. That, but that's my own personal thing. I just, I don't like it. But I have for vegan friends, when I'm baking, I have baked with it and used it in various things. And it, I did learn that the hard way. <laughs> it's like, and oh. It's quite salty. Maybe I should have not added the salt that was in this recipe as well, because it's a little bit salty. Yeah. I mean, not that any of my friends have ever complained about oh, my yeah. baking for them you know um because chances are if you have somebody with food restrictions whether they're vegan or celiac or whatever and you make them something that they oh, can yeah. eat they're gonna love you forever that's 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 how people love me that's how i make them love me my <laughs> my favorite thing to do is to slice up some kind of fruit like but like a but like a not like Berries, pretty much any fruit, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say not berries, but sometimes I'll add frozen berries in there. Okay. But my the other day, I killed, I killed my oatmeal <laughs> because at Edgewater Produce they had ten peaches for a dollar. Uh, I was just gonna say, did you ever put peaches in it? Mm. Yeah, that was very good. Yes. But my favorite, I think, my like go to is. Very small, cubed green apple. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. We do that um, at the shop. We have, we offer oatmeal, but we use dried fruit. Mm. But you can pick your fruit. So you can pick dried apple cubes or um, dried cherries or cranberries or apricots is the other one. So we don't even offer raisins. Like, we don't even offer, like, the standard one. Yeah. We offer all these other ones instead with the brown sugar and and wal- you can get walnuts in it. And, oh, I love walnuts. Um, you can get it with just water. We can put some steamed milk in it for you. It's, yeah. Man, walnuts are like vegan fish. Like, seriously, if you're vegan and you're not eating a shitload of walnuts, what are you doing? <laughs> no, because they're full of omega-3s. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they're so good for you. Have you ever made walnut butter? No. Is it good? Uh, Yeah, it's real good. So I bet. Way I back to some two, three years ago when I was first diagnosed and I went had to go through a doctor-prescribed elimination diet mm-hmm. because people with Hashimoto's often have other food triggers besides gluten and soy. Mine happens to be nightshades, which kind of sucks, but whatever. Um, but through that phase, I couldn't have peanuts because peanuts can be, right. in, they can be a trigger. They can be inflammatory. Oh. Um, 
so, you know, you're busy sometimes. Like I said, you just need to shove food in your mouth. And my boss was like, well, just just snag a spoonful of peanut butter. Because this this was the new, I was new to being gluten-free. So sudden, it was like all of a sudden I couldn't eat any of the bread in the shop. I couldn't eat bagels. It, it felt like I couldn't eat anything. And he was like, just snag a spoonful of peanut butter. And I was like, well, I can't have peanuts. And he was like, what? I don't understand that. And I was like, well, peanut, and there's a whole thing, but I can't have peanuts. And he was like, well, we have walnuts. Just here, make, just throw some walnuts in the blender, make some walnut butter. And then you can just have a spoonful of that when, when you need something quick. So stemming from that, it's now a permanent fixture on the menu. Ooh. Walnut butter, pecan butter, and peanut butter. Pecan butter? Pecan butter. So, okay. So you toast yourself some pecans because otherwise they can be uh, bitter. Yeah. So toast them up nice and fragrant. Oh my God. Cool them down a little bit. Then you're going to chuck them in your blender or food processor with some oil. We use a, a canola olive oil blend, but avocado oil would work great. Just regular vegetable oil would be fine. Like a tablespoon or two. You can always add more if you need to. A uh, half a teaspoon of cinnamon. Oh. And uh, a, about a teaspoon of salt. This is for about, this is for three cups of pecans. Um, so like a teaspoon of salt and a couple tablespoons of sugar, some cinnamon, and a couple tablespoons of oil. And you just let that go. You can add a little more oil if it's not breaking down enough. And then um, at the very end, you can put in a splash of vanilla. Or the way we do it at the shop is we add a splash of bourbon at the very end of the processing. Oh, my God. It's so good. Dude, it's so good. Like, you smear that on your bagel, you'll be happy. Put that in oatmeal. We had a we had a girl working for us for a while who was a fitness instructor on as well as working for us. And that was her favorite thing was oatmeal with a big old scoop of pecan butter in it. Oh, my God. That was her favorite thing. So, yeah. Um, I look forward to hearing your report on whether you try that. <laughs> Honestly, I might just come into the shop and get that. Uh, do it. Do it. <laughs> we'll sell it to you. No problem there. Hell, yeah. Um, oh, my God. So, what? Am I, do I, what do I have in my pie hole? Besides the fact that I went to Costco the other day and spent too much money on things that were new. You know, Costco has like, they'll have things that they always have, but then they'll have things that are like there for just a while. I've never been to Costco. Oh, girl. See, here's the thing is I never have a lot of money in my account. Right. And That's so, fair. and so I, buying in bulk yeah. Is not really a thing I can do. Right. But down the line, when I do have more money in my account, that is something that I'm very interested in. I recommend it mostly because um, things that you can buy in bulk, it's nice because it ends, it works out monetarily. It works out to being cheaper in the long run. So it seems like, oh my God, I'm dropping $22 on toilet paper, but like, I don't got to buy t- toilet paper for another like six to eight months. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, in the long run, it works out to be cheaper. Um, And Costco in particular, I can't speak to other like warehouse club style places, but Costco is known for treating its employees really exceptionally, um, which I can totally get behind. That's so, amazing. Yeah. No, that matters. It matters a lot when you know that you're spending your money at a place that, you know, people who work there are treated really well. They have really good health care. They're paid really well. You know, it's it's a great place for them to work. So, yeah, I'm down for it. But they had, um, and I actually heard about this 
from an influencer on Instagram who also has Hashimoto's. She had purchased a broccoli crust pizza at her Costco. Ooh. And I was like, I'm going to see if they have that. And they did. And so it was a broccoli crust. And what I love about it is that it does have the tomato sauce on it. I don't, I don't really do tomatoes. They don't agree with me, but it's so minimal amount of sauce. Like it's just enough to add a little bit of flavor, but it's not like goopy at all. Yeah. So that works great for me. If you like sauce, it probably wouldn't have enough for you. And then it has like mozzarella and roasted pieces of roasted chicken and kale. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. And it, it is really good. It's very good. Like I, I baked it on a, a dark cookie sheet. So the edges got a little too dark and the middle wasn't crispy. But I think if I was to bake it without a baking sheet, like it actually suggested on the box, um, <laughs> then it would be because frozen pizza does that. Like if yeah. you bake it without a cookie sheet underneath, then it'll get crispy all the way through. But it was, it's good. It is quite delicious. So I would say that that's that and the, there's a company called Brazzy Bites that makes those, they make like the little Brazilian cheese breads mm. um, that are gluten, they're gluten-free naturally. Isn't it made from yucca? Yeah. It's yeah. made from like the yucca flour and cheese basically is how yeah. they make this. Um, but Brazzy Bites makes them pre-made and frozen. Oh. And so the ingredients are like, there's nothing weird in there. Um, I don't want to use the word clean because I don't love that term, but... Is, is it? Does it have, like, preservatives in it? It doesn't. It doesn't have any of the weird preservatives or any shit like that. It's basically, like, cassava flour, salt, Parmesan cheese, cheddar cheese, and something else. I don't remember what the other thing is, but it's, like, four or five ingredients. And they make them into these little round balls that you just put on a you take them straight out of the freezer put them on a cookie sheet stick them in the oven for 20 minutes done they just started making mini empanadas out of the same thing but they fill them with black beans and cheddar cheese oh my god so they look like these little pizza rolls but they're like brazilian cheese bread stuffed with black beans do they have do they have good vegan shit at costco yeah that's and that's that's the thing is that when stuff like that pops up i always buy it because I don't know if I'm going to see it again. Right. But they do have some stuff that's like staple that's there all the time. So it's a good place to get things if you have food intolerances or food restrictions of any kind. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like my sister, for example, she is a member of a bunch of mom groups that talk about different food allergies. Mm -hmm. So she can always just post on a mom group, hey, has anybody used this particular brand? Does it have any cross-contamination with these things? And usually somebody will pop up and be like, oh yeah, I used it and my kid's allergic to the same things as yours and no problem. Or hey, yeah, I just heard that they started using this in their facility or whatever. So if something is a staple at Costco, it's there all the time and she has looked it up then she knows that she can always get this thing at Costco. Yeah. So, like, she knows that she can always get Kirkland brand marinara sauce, and it's safe for the whole family. That's great. Right? So... I just found a whole list of um, 51 vegan things at... At Costco? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. And they break it down by meal. So, vegan breakfast, they have cinnamon rolls, Belveda, Pillsbury mm-hmm. Crescent Rolls... Uh, 
bunch of different cereals. Cereals, yep, yep. Different milks. They have vegan meats. My sister said, and I didn't see this at, at the Costco here that I go to in Chicago, but she said one of the moms in, in one of her allergy groups posted that at their Costco in Michigan, they were there's a brand called Just, it, it's yeah. just called Just, yes. right? Um, I like their mayo. So, but they, they have Just Eggs, which is actual eggs, but they have the vegan Just Eggs, right? In the little squirt bottle? Yeah, but they started selling that at Costco, which means it's in bulk. Oh. And my sister was, because my nephew's allergic to eggs. Oh. So she was like, I know, she knows that the Just brand is safe for him as far as his other allergies. Right. Um. So she was asking me, like, did you see that at your Costco? And I was like, no, but I also wasn't looking for it. Right. You know, because I'm not looking not for- trying to live that life. I'm, I'm not looking for egg-free things unless <laughs> I know I'm going to share them with him. Right. And I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to live that vegan life. Um, Fair. <laughs> it's but, getting easier, but it's certainly not for your for your particular for, brand. For of, me, yeah. no. But, I mean, to each their own. Yeah, exactly. But if that's a thing they start selling at Costco's everywhere, that's a thing you could, another vegan thing you could get there, you know? So. Ooh, I've, I've, I've only had the, the Just Egg, like, twice, and it was in a breakfast sandwich, and it was very good. Yeah, that's what that's what she was hearing that it was really good for like, like sandwiches and egg McMuffin. It's like scrambled eggs and stuff like that. It, they I did see they had like in the the refrigerated dairy section they had like egg bites, you know, like those sous vide egg bites that everybody's yeah. all nuts about. They had those pre made in the in the refrigerated section, so you just take them out and heat them up in the microwave. So it may be that they're expanding their wait. They had just. I, egg, I didn't, sous vide egg bites? I don't know because I didn't look at the brand. Oh no, it's because I'm also not about weird, uh, not not egg shit. It, yeah, like I and I I think I looked at egg bites and I was like, oh yeah, I don't I don't need those, and I walked away. Yeah, but I knew I noticed that they were a new thing. Interesting. So I'm not sure what brand they were, but I definitely that was something that I was I told my sister I was like, well, I'll go back and look because yeah. if you don't have it at your Costco, maybe I have it at mine and I can bring it to you. Right. So yeah, I. Uh, Costco things. That's what's in my pie hole. <laughs> it's about that's gonna be gonna be in my pie hole. I guess now that I've read that article. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. Eventually, I highly recommend. Anyway, um, I think that's it. I think we've had quite a nice long conversation. Yeah, I'm not upset about it. No. Um, I hope y'all have found some insight in this conversation. And uh, if you got something to tell me. You know where to find me. I'm on Instagram at Hearth and Soul Blog. I'm on the Facebooks at Hearth and Soul. And uh, leave me a message. Come say hi. Bye.